0: Well, hey, good morning, everybody, and happy Easter. Um, Thank you so much for watching online today. If this is your first time, my name is John Wagler. I'm part of this Hill City team, and truly just grateful that you're spending a portion of your Easter Sunday uh, here with us. We've added uh, a little extra singing today. It's Easter, we're doing a little bit more, and we're doing more uh, live as well. Um, But again, just so it's an honor to have you uh, with us. Let me take you on. A little bit of a journey, if you will, uh, and see if this jogs your memory at all. Can you imagine a time where there was a lot of political turmoil, where um, people were at odds with one another for different perspectives and opinions? Can you imagine a time where... Um, there would be protesting in the streets of certain things, and businesses were impacted, and families were getting broken up over different reasons, and um, often because of kind of what they were, you know, what what place in the world they were uh, coming from. Uh, can you imagine a time where the followers of God would actually cower away from things they should stand up for, maybe even go into hiding and not even be very vocal about their faith? Or or maybe a time, let's see if this jogs memory too, that um, a cross was actually put up at the Capitol and um, there were a lot of people like shouting uh, around it and everything. Um, you probably are thinking to yourself, this sounds vaguely familiar. And of course, the year would be 33 AD, right? Like that's where we're at. Now, why does that matter? Well, I think there's a reality when it comes to how we think about life and what we're surrounded by. It's important to know and understand that none of this stuff is new. Like, and this is why the Bible is such a wonderful wonderful um, thing to explore because what we're seeing around us truly, there might be different methodology and some different elements to how it's been injected into society one way or another, but at the core level of how things are going right now, it's like, We've been through this before. We've seen it. And we have, you know, these documents from thousands of years ago that kind of detail out how Jesus responded and how his followers were supposed to respond. And so even when we think about Easter, it's like, man, at the heart of the story of Easter and what happened with the death and the resurrection of Jesus it applies so much to today because it sounds so eerily similar to where we are. You know, now you might be also thinking like, why, why do we start here? Like when you watch that video, um, which feels like, you know, normally an Easter video would be like upbeat and like, like big things about, you know, Jesus coming out of the tomb or, or whatever. And celebration. We're going to get there uh, about the celebratory part. And so you might be wondering, why did we start with this, this video of a hand sketch and you know, the, this, this scripture passage out of Matthew 27. And I think it's so important to go back to this point because Unless we fully understand certain elements of his death, we'll never fully appreciate the realities of his resurrection. And so um, in this passage, I want to read a, a small portion of it from Matthew 27 again, because you might have missed this part, and this will help you even understand the drawing. And this is something that actually jumped out at me um, probably a little over a year ago, year and a half ago, that I just had never seen before. And so I want to start at verse 15, where it, in, out of chapter 27 of Matthew. And so it says this, Now it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was, and here it is, Jesus Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? For he knew it was out of, and here's a big term to concentrate on, self-interest that they had handed Jesus, meaning Jesus Christ or Jesus the Messiah, over to them. And so why, why is that important? Well, it's incredibly important in this story because we see right now there is Jesus Barabbas. There's two Jesuses to choose from. You might think like, well, who cares? Jesus was a common name. And that would be correct. But it's, some of this is actually really interesting. So Jesus Barabbas, his name actually means Jesus, the son of a man. So there's a man-made Jesus here, right? Then you have Jesus, the Messiah that Pilate refers to him as, or maybe Jesus the Christ, his last name was not Christ. Um, So it's Jesus the Christ. And what does that mean? Well, it's Jesus being the anointed, um, the Messiah, the Savior, the, the Son of God. So here's what we begin to see. Even Pilate presents this. He says, which one do you want? Jesus Barabbas, the son of a man, the human Jesus. Um, and they would have known him. He was an activist. He would, he would do, quote unquote, good things, um, but he would do them violently. Um, he was well known as an insurrectionist and, um, and, and as like a, a zealot and an activist. And so, so do, you want, do you want that Jesus, the, the man-made Jesus, or, or do you want Jesus, the son of God? who we know that is the one of love and freedom, forgiveness of grace, and all of those things that he taught about. And and even the way he talked about himself in John chapter 14, Jesus says this. He says, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will uh, be satisfied. And Jesus replies, he says, have I been with you all this time, Philip? And yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? So what Jesus even says about himself is, if you want to know what God is like, then you see me. Like it's the same. And so Jesus, the Christ, Jesus the Messiah, is the Son of God. And then again, Jesus Barabbas is the Son of Man. And so here we are, two thousand rough, you know, roughly two thousand years later, and this question still holds true for us on this Easter Sunday. Will we choose a man-made Jesus or? The real one. And that's what I want us to concentrate on. And that's what I want us to see as a part of this story. That when we think about that moment where people had a choice, the man made Jesus into and, and they had self-centered interests, right? That was part of what Pilate saw in the people. And these were all religious people that were gathered there. Um, they were conservative, there were more progressive, there were some isolationists, there were some activists and some zealots that were there. So there's a wide-ranging group of religious people that were there, and he's like okay, what I see in these people is self-centered interest around what they want. And so they end up choosing the man-made Jesus rather than Jesus the Messiah or Jesus the Christ. Now, how did we get to this point? Because maybe you're not familiar with the Bible. You're not familiar with the story of Jesus. Well, Jesus was wild. His movement was wild. His, his, what Jesus taught and how he acted was like flipping the world upside down. He engaged the Hebrew scriptures differently than anyone had ever heard before. He talked about life differently. He did these crazy miracles and stuff that people were just blown away by. And thousands and thousands of people would begin to follow him and hang on his every word. And so what was happening during that time, though, the religious structure that was at play didn't like it, like they actually hated it on an epic level. And so when the religious people who kind of held a certain standard and status within the community saw Jesus hanging out with all the people that were ostracized or they were marginalized and and the way he taught was so different and he would challenge these religious leaders and how they were presenting the scriptures to people and how they acted, um, it was hard, it was tense, it was like they, they were mad All the time at Jesus. And so I want to highlight a couple of reasons why. So if you go to Luke chapter 5. And and by the way, I'm bouncing around between Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John today um, in the first part. And then I'll highlight another passage later. But if you're not, again, if you're not just, if the Bible isn't familiar to you, um, these guys were all writers that detailed out the life of Jesus. And so Luke chapter 5, it says this. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. I want you to remember that. That's really important. And the Pharisees and the teachers, and so these Pharisees and these teachers of the law were the religious leaders at that time. He looks and he goes, "Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? So, such a who speaks against God? Who can forgive sins but God alone?" So, these high priests and these teachers of the law, they knew. That in the in, Jude, in the Jewish culture, what would end up happening is there was a day of atonement, and there was a sacrificial lamb, and there was a scapegoat that would be sent out um, um, from the community, and then these high priests would determine on this day that that so that the community's sins were forgiven, and they would proclaim that, but they would proclaim that through this idea that God alone can forgive sin, and only God, right? So look what Jesus is doing here. Jesus comes in; he doesn't. He doesn't ask the priest to say that forget sins are forgiven. He doesn't ask God to actually forgive the sins of this person. He proclaims that the sins are forgiven. This is like massive, right? It's, like, it's a huge deal because what Jesus is doing is he's putting himself as the son of God. Like he's putting himself on even par with this because he has the power to forgive sins and the authority to forgive sins. And so I, that's the first thing that these Pharisees and these religious people were really challenged by with Jesus is simply this, is authority. All right. Here's the thing about the man-made Jesus versus um, the real Jesus. Man-made Jesus doesn't want to have Jesus to have authority in their lives. With the real Jesus, when we follow the real Jesus and choose the real Jesus, we are willing to surrender our lives to Jesus. We allow Jesus to shape our lives and our perspective. We are constantly being like, is this what Jesus taught when we really want to follow Jesus on a, a real, true, authentic level? In John chapter 11, there's this other story that happens where um, Jesus uh, heals a friend named Lazarus, um, and uh, he actually raises him from the dead. And so as you can imagine, when people saw that, they were like, what? This is crazy right so people are like freaking out and everything because you can think about it, there's this point where Jesus like and Jesus and Lazarus are like walking through the town like can you imagine that scene like these people saw him dead but he was actually put like in a, a tomb and all of a sudden Jesus was like hey Lazarus can you come out and he comes all out and then the next day he's he's walking in the crowd anyway everyone's like going nuts about this and so there's this part at the end of that story where it says this, Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary had seen what Jesus did and believed in him. All right. So that's important, this idea of believing in him. And it, it, there's this big shift that's starting to happen culturally there. But some of them, all right, so not everybody believed. So not everyone believed in the, in the reality and the truth of Jesus. It says so some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. And then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting at the Sanhedrin. So the, all the religious leaders coming back together and they said, what are we accomplishing? They asked, here is this man performing many signs. They see the power of Jesus. They know there's something about him that's special. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. So what does this mean for them then? So we've got the authoritative piece, right? So we're seeing like, all right, if I'm going to choose a man-made Jesus, uh, that means I don't want Jesus to have authority. But if we choose the real Jesus, then we want him to have authority in our lives. Well, here's what also ends up happening as we see with these religious leaders. They wanted to, to get rid of Jesus. It actually says right after this, that after this point, they tried to, Plot to kill him, like every day they had this new plan or plot to kill him. So what was it though that we see? Well, their comfort was gone. All right, so they had a place in society, and and all of a sudden because of Jesus, that's gone. they like they're not comfortable anymore. They're not. It's not convenient for them anymore because of the way Jesus was teaching and some of the things that he was doing, um, their power. Is gone, right? They they were in control. They made decisions. They helped shape the community. Um, even the way that they thought about their own nation was was to, was was around making Israel great again. And so when we begin to think about that part, like that part was removed as because the way Jesus taught and the way Jesus was was talking about real power and what it meant to really love people. The other thing that was impacted was their money. So greed were these three like kind of the three pivotal things in this passage that we see because money matters. And man, the way Jesus taught and what he was inspiring people do impacted the bottom line um, for uh, these people. And so what we begin to see that a man-made Jesus, and we see this in their response, right? When they say that the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation, a man-made Jesus is fixated is fixated on the greatness of like a nation. In this case, it would be Israel. It, it, it's fixated, but the, the people that really want to follow Jesus are fixated and obsessed with the kingdom of God. And it's two very different things. And we we see that this is the tension that's happening um, within this community. And so they want to kill him. They want to crucify him. And so in order to to not be offended, in order to um, not uh, be uncomfortable, what ends up happening is quite often religious people, even today, will choose the man-made version of Jesus because it's easier. We will choose the man-made version of Jesus um, because we're allowed to just keep doing what we want to do, we'd rather choose the man-made version of Jesus because we can determine our own identity and our own purpose and our own perspective and everything. Um, and in the end, what ends up happening is, if you want to choose the man-made Jesus, then you want to you want to crucify the real one. You want to like get rid of the real one. You want to get like the real teachings of Jesus outside of your community like well what well, Jesus actually taught this We're like well, we don't believe that we want we want this version of what scripture says rather than taking in all of what Jesus began to say and we see in the madness of these crowds what ends up happening too and again this is all like so familiar it's crazy it's like they're talking about these half truths these fake news about Jesus they're making these false claims about Jesus they're trying to to rid themselves of the presence of Jesus. They're trying to rid themselves of the presence of Jesus in in every aspect of their life. That's what happens when, when the man-made idea becomes put into play. And we also see too like in the madness of crowds as they begin to gather, that what crowds will end up doing when they don't want the authentic Jesus as a part of what they're that a part of who they are and how they think and how they act and they choose the man-made one, what will end up happening is eventually violence is the answer, whether that's physical violence or verbal violence or some kind of violence. That's the way it always works. The way of Jesus does not work that way. Now, we've got another um, person here in this story, of course, is Pilate. Now, Pilate, so we've had the religious people, and they're choosing man-made Jesus rather than the authentic, true one. And you've got Pilate, who in the story, he's part of the Roman government. He's, um, you know, they have a lot of power, a lot of control. They've they think a lot of themselves. He's a governor, so he's got some decision-making abilities himself. And um, but he's not like a believer in Jesus. He's not uh, religious himself or anything like that. But it's interesting. Even when you begin to see, can kind of, he represents like this other grouping, like outside of the faith community? Then we begin to see that. He, too, is involved now. He's got these crowds around him. He's part of this discussion. He sees the unrest that's happening. And what does he do? He sees the truth of Jesus. Even his wife comes in and says, like, man, there's just something about this guy. Like, there's something about the trueness of who Jesus is. But rather than make a really good decision about the real Jesus, Jesus the Christ, what does he do? He steps back. He looks at the crowds and he knows that they're self-centered. He knows that they're illogical in how they're thinking. He knows that this is not the right decision. And he he says, I'm going to wash my hands of this innocent man's blood. And he says, like, I'm going to remove myself from this. But isn't it interesting? In the end, he still chooses the man-made Jesus. Why? Because he goes along with the crowd. He goes along with the mob. He goes along with this other way of thinking, even though the truth was right before him. Is this not what it's like today? We can choose the crowd or we can choose Christ. We can choose the man-made Jesus, the man-made perspective, the man-made religion, the man-made narratives, the the man-made identity pieces. We can choose anything like that or we can choose the reality of the truth of Jesus we will always be floating in those two choices every single day. Do we really want to seek after what Jesus taught, the truth of who he is and know who he really is? Or would we rather choose this other way, this, this way that, that begins to focus on what we want, the narrative we've, you, you might even say this, well, I feel like this is what best, is what's best for me. And that might feel right to you, but if it goes against Jesus, then it isn't Right. Or I feel like this is the right perspective to have. But if it goes against what Jesus taught, then it isn't true. And so we're faced with this choice all the time. You know, the crowd shouts, if you remember this part of the story, the story um, when Pilate looks back at the crowd and he's like, what do you want me to do? And they're like, crucify him, crucify him. And then when they send out Jesus, uh, Barabbas, into the crowd, they continue to chant, crucify him for Jesus, um, Jesus Christ. And they cheer Jesus Barabbas. Is this not the same thing What happens? We try to crucify the reality of the truth of Jesus and we cheer on all the man-made things that are around us. And what is that? That's really the essence of sin. You know, I talk a lot about the creation story because it's so pivotal in how we begin to see everything in our lives and how God intended things to be. And um, what we see in Genesis chapter three is like this, where sin comes into this world and how it comes into this world. And, and as I said a couple weeks ago, essentially what sin is, it's, it's seeing something through our own eyes and determining that that's better than what God has already given us. And we see this again with the man-made version of Jesus versus the real authentic Jesus. And, and here's why, because at the essence of sin, sin in the man-made narrative, man-made identities, all that stuff, at the essence of that is is putting yourself at the center. And so this is like, when you think about this way of thinking, and then the man made ways of thinking, sin will always put the self at the center. Sin will always put, the self at the center. It's always a me-centered theology. It's always what I want. It's how I want to be. I'm going to shape my purpose, my identity, um, how I view the world. Like You can say things like, you got your truth, I got my truth. The, the, it's the sin of self. Like The self is always at the center of all types of sin. And So if you've ever wondered, who would I be in the crowd in this story? Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. If you've ever wondered, like, would I have been the people shouting crucify him? Well, we can ask ourselves, what, what am I choosing? Am I choosing the authentic Jesus every single day? Or am I choosing the man-made one? Am I choosing the way Jesus sees me? And am I choosing him as my identity and my purpose? Or am I choosing some other narrative or perspective or man-made way of thinking? Am I trying to Push be a part of pushing out the presence of Jesus in my life, or in my purview, or in my um, the way I think about this world. Like even when you think about what we're going through right now, you know the idea of the real, authentic Jesus is always being pushed out of society in different ways. And and so what is that? That's choosing the man-made version of this world, choosing the man-made perspective of how to engage everything uh, around us. Even religious people do this. They can have a head knowledge of of all the things of Jesus, but it has not injected into their heart. And so in the end, they're choosing a head knowledge of what they know rather than a heart knowledge of who the authentic Jesus is. And you know, when it comes to the resurrection, so we've got the death part of this that led through this part of the story. And then of course, in the end, and this is why Easter is a thing and is like Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose again and overcame you know, all of the sin and death and all those things that it represents. And without the resurrection, the reality is, is we have no choice. If the resurrection of Jesus isn't true, then of course we're going to choose man-made. We're going to choose man-made ways. We're going to choose man-made narratives. We're going to say like, I'm going to term- determine my own fate. If I can do a- enough good things, like that has to work good for me in the end. And we're going to choose that lane of how we begin to think. But if the resurrection is true, It's a game changer. If the resurrection is true, then we do have a choice. If the resurrection is true, then man, we can begin to see our world differently. We begin to see our life differently. We begin to see our perspective differently. We will no longer choose a man-made version of anything. We we no longer see any part of our lives, I don't care if it's how we see money or our citizenship or um, politics or sexuality or friendships or marriage or friend, or um or family or whatever, I don't I don't care what it is. We will no longer see it through the eyes of this world and through man-made like thinking. We will see it through Jesus. We can only do that, though, if the resurrection is true. If the resurrection is true, that does actually give us a choice. You know, when we look at um, this choice, here's, well, let me rephrase it this way. It Here's what we do know. Um, man, humanity is no match for sin. If If human thinking could figure out suffering and pain, it would have done it already. And let me ask you this. When you look around, um, you know, this week, like, Lacey woke up on Thursday morning, and um, I had just gotten back from the gym, and she was just like, man, another shooting happened. Another one. And it's like, it feels like, I know this isn't true, but like, it just feels like every single day there's another one. It's like this nonstop. And I'm like, if human thinking could have figured this out already, like, this wouldn't be a thing. But the reality is, because sin will always defeat humanity until something else comes in to interrupt it. And that something else has got to be the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. You know, the way the Bible begins to talk about hell, and um, I don't actually, I don't care what you think about hell, but, but what we do see in scripture is um, that no matter how, whenever it's referenced, there's always this element of like there's a separation from God in some capacity, and whether that's presently or whatever. But there's a separation from God in how we think and how we act, and what we see is like man that when hell is released, the power of hell is released. And this is what I talked about last week with suffering and pain. Is that it's it's humanity that like ushers in all of this stuff, and so why does that happen? Because we. Sin against humanity is undefeated. But it's but man, when when Jesus comes into the picture, it's game over. Now will we still sin? Yeah, I mean that happens, but the ultimate end of this story is that Jesus wins and is victorious over everything. So if that is true, then we begin to look at the power of hell and everything. We can look at hell and be like, hey, hell, you just lost another one because I'm free in Jesus. And, and so if Jesus is true and this resurrection is true and we, ha- we choose to follow Jesus, the authentic version of Jesus, then we begin to see like, okay, I can stop and I can pick. I can choose sacrifice over convenience. I can choose um, conviction over comfort. I can choose uh, courage over fear. I can choose trust over doubt. I can choose commitment over complacency. I can choose to serve rather than to sit. I can choose to live rather than to die. And so that is why this, this picture of Jesus in, in this, what we celebrate as, as Easter and his resurrection is so critical. Without it, without it, we're just left with man. Without it, we're just left with like you and me, with nothing else. And where's the hope in that? Yeah, you have little glimmers of goodness, and little glimmers of things, but like we've already seen that humanity is not the answer to any of this. You know, when it comes to every single day that we wake up, we have a choice between Jesus Barabbas and Jesus the Christ. Every single day. And you know what? Some days we're better, we make better choices than others. But in the end, that choice still is there. And so if we don't want to choose Jesus, then here's essentially what we're saying that Jesus isn't enough. That what Jesus does and what he's done in that death and resurrection isn't enough for me to allow that to shape my purpose, allow that to shape my identity, allow that to shape my thinking. I you know, wrote this question that I think is important, that maybe you can take this home with you. Do you think Jesus is enough? Because if you do, then that begins to really shape how we think about everything. It doesn't mean it's going to be clean. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy and um, seamless. You're going to battle sometimes. You're going to have doubts sometimes. You're going to struggle sometimes. You're going to mess up sometimes. But if we keep going back to this, Jesus is enough. Then we begin to also see that's how incredible His grace is—the grace of His death and resurrection. We didn't. We didn't do anything to earn any of that. It's the the grace of who He is. The grace of His love for for us. It's the grace that. It's enough to, to free us from the grip of sin and shame in our lives. It's a, the grace, again, to, to be free, to be like, man, I, I'm no longer that person anymore. I've, that part of me has died. I'm now free. I'm living. I'm full in how I see this world. It's, it's a grace enough to, um, to stand up every single day and say, like, I need grace for today. Like, I need grace for today. And we wake up the next day, I need grace for today, because that is the reality when we continue to keep choosing Jesus. If Jesus is enough, we have hope that transcends the pain and suffering we experience. If Jesus is enough, we no longer see life through temporary lens, but through an eternal one. If Jesus is enough, we have a real identity and a real future. If Jesus is enough, we can choose life over death. If Jesus is enough, our identity is no longer in man, but in the resurrection. This guy named Paul, who was a writer um, of the New Testament, he says it this way in Colossians 3. He says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died... And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, and you will also appear with Him in glory. So here's what this begins to mean. At this point, when Jesus got out of the grave, so did our lives. When Jesus um, got out of that grave, we identify with saying, like. My life is no longer My life is no longer this way because of Jesus' resurrection. It's this way through him. And so we identify with that hope. We identify with that message. We identify with that. And this is why we can step back and say, like, I thank God for all of this, right? And we're gonna sing that here in just a second. But we 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 think about it this way, in that same way that Jesus got up out of that grave. This is the calling of my life is to get up out of mine the resurrection doesn't give us hope for the future, doesn't just give us hope for the future. It allows us to live out that hope in the present. That's why it's a game changer. So if Jesus is enough, then April 4th, 2021 is why we say, I thank God. If Jesus is enough this April, then we can take a step back in the midst of what's been a really difficult year and know that, okay, It's been a struggle, and I've gone through a lot, but in the midst of this, I know Jesus is enough. I need grace for today, and I'm going to choose the authentic, true Jesus rather than the man-made one. Guys, the fake version of Jesus stinks. You know this. It hurts people. It causes people to leave the faith. It discredits what Jesus actually taught. Um, I don't know about you, but I want the real Jesus, the one that convicts my soul the one that offends me at times, the one that brings me hope, the one that gives me purpose, the one that breathes life into my very being, the one that allows me to look at cultural trends and cultural things that, um, that see like that we're moving away from the realities of Jesus and be like, oh, I can find comfort and peace in him, even in the midst of maybe it's going against what most people are thinking. Today, I choose the real Jesus and my hope is, is that you will as well. Let's pray. God, for everyone on, that's engaging Easter in any capacity, it um, could be in very different spots. It could be um, watching this today and had little hope and just wanted to get a glimmer of it. could be watching this coming through great pain and suffering. could be coming to this wondering, is it all worth it? Is this whole Jesus stuff, is it worth it? And so, um, or maybe even coming, like you've been part of church for a while and, you know, you, you've kind of gone into this mode of just kind of tradition rather than it, actually the transformation of what's supposed to happen in our hearts. And so, God, I just pray this Easter is just different. It hits us differently. It um, it gives us perspective to see what one we're choosing, what lane we're going in and how we're viewing our life—it—it—it it, it gives us a, um, a way to begin to, or I should say, I, I'm praying God that we have like a deep sense of conviction of like, do I understand which, what I'm choosing right now? Am I choosing such a lesser version of life, one that doesn't actually lead to ultimately anything, or an eternal hopeful one that can give us everything? And so, um, God, I choose you today. I choose you, Jesus, and um, I hope today is um, everyone listening to this will do so as well. So God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your death. And we thank you for your resurrection that has reshaped everything uh, that we know and everything that this world has ever known. And in your name we pray, amen.